Please stand for the reading of God's word. From John chapter 10, beginning in verse 22, please now hear the word of the Lord. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Father in heaven, we come. We're grateful for what we have witnessed this morning which is the profound work of your Holy Spirit calling these men to believe in Jesus and now calling these men to serve his church in which you, Christ, are the head. Lord, I pray now as we open your word and as I bring a charge to these men and encouragement to all of the sheep here and an invitation to the gospel to those who might not yet believe, I pray that you will do that work which only you can do. Making us, Lord, to see and hear that Jesus is the Lord. He is Lord. He is the one reigning. He is the only way of salvation. Oh, Lord, help us see. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Tuesday or Wednesday, this worship service was planned. Colin and I have the great joy of sitting in my office and thinking about the Sunday that's coming. He uses the gifts God's given him to craft as he listens to the Lord's services that fit into the context of where the sermon will be preached from. We seek to think every word matters. Decisions were made in the latter part of the week, which has caused many Christians to shake, and yet every word that is here is just as true now as it was then. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the head of his church. Nothing can prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing. As the head of the church, there's nothing Jesus can learn. There's no power that he lacks. There's no decision that is made that can thwart his kingdom advancing. None. 24 years ago, men were being called, equipped, and trained 
to be the first officers in this church. Since that time each year, men have responded to that call. But what was life like here in Dallas and in America and in the world 24 years ago? What decisions were being considered then? How has life changed in 24 years? It's changed. It will continue to change. But what doesn't change is the word that's been proclaimed from behind this pulpit every one of those Sundays. Because men, like those ordained today, have taken an oath to uphold every word of Scripture, to believe that this is God's truth, all of it. This is what he's given us. This is what we stand on. Now, what about 25 years from now? In about 25 years, this church will be celebrating its 50th birthday. Many of you know that you will be already in the presence of Jesus. You will. And you'll see his face. And there is a moment in time that the Lord, our Heavenly Father, knows where Jesus will return. And when he does, every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But not until that day. Not until that day. We'll all see him coming and be in awe and drop to their knees and proclaim that he's Lord. Some will be brought to great judgment and others will be able to experience the freedom of what it means to be in Christ. But if Christ hasn't returned in 25 years, what will this city look like? What will this great nation look like? What kinds of events and tragedies and wars will be happening all around the world? I don't know. I know that it's certainly a reality that we will have had at least three presidents, maybe more. What kind of decisions will the Supreme Court be considering and making? I don't know. But I do know this, that what I'm about to say from these words of John 10 will be just as true when this church celebrates its 50th birthday as it is today. And as men, 25 years from now, little ones even now running in the midst of our church, some call to the office of deacon and elder. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's reigning as king. And what he tells us in this passage is that his sheep, hear his voice, his sheep are the people who have believed in him, who have trusted in him for salvation. He says his sheep hear his voice. He says that he knows his sheep. He says that his sheep follow him. And then he tells us that his sheep cannot be snatched from him because they are in his grip. And they are in the grip of the Father. So this morning, for a few minutes, I'm going to charge again the elders and deacons. But this message is not just for them. It's for all of us. Those who are here as a guest, lean in and listen. Those who have known Christ a long time, lean in and listen. Because what is offered here, once again, is the gospel. 
Because, my friends, only the gospel can penetrate all that we've been witnessing. Only the gospel. And so, men, I begin this way. You've been called to the office of elder or the office of deacon. First thing, remember this. It is by God's grace that you have been called. What that means is at some point in your life, the effectual call of God, the effectual call of the Holy Spirit came into your life. Effectual call means that it is effective. It means that it works. It means that it is not going to not work. It is an effectual call by God that demands the perfect response. When God issues his call on a man or a woman's life, on a child's life, irresistible grace is presented. And that effectual call takes place so that the man or the woman or the child suddenly begins to think things that they would never have thought before. They begin to have questions about God and they begin to see that the Lord himself is the answer. That is the work of the Holy Spirit and it's effectual. It could be happening to you today, right now. Others of you would say it happened at another time in my life. But all the men who stood before you today and everyone in this congregation right here now, all who are in Christ, you have that story. That story might have happened when you were little and your mother was next to you, kneeling next to you in your bed and you asked her questions about Jesus and she told you. And then you prayed to receive Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. It might have been when you were away at camp like Canacock or Pine Cove or a Young Life camp. In the midst of it all, you began to think differently and feel differently because the Holy Spirit was calling you to see that Jesus is the one. For me, it happened 33 years ago last Tuesday. June 23rd, on that day in Minnesota at Detroit Lakes, Michigan, on Pelican Lake, I suddenly just felt like something's not right with my life. I went to my young life leader, I'm 15 and a half, and I said, Tom, something's wrong with me. Now remember this, I never went to one meeting that week. I was so easily bored that even a young life speaker couldn't keep my attention. I didn't go in. I just walked around the camp. I didn't participate in cabin times. God didn't need that. God made me feel like something's wrong. He made me think that something's missing. And he led me to a man who I simply said, something's missing in my life. Something's wrong. He says, I know what that is. Let's talk about it. And we did. And then that afternoon, early afternoon, under a tree, I prayed as he led me to pray. And I'm a sinner. I need a savior. The only savior is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And then, at that moment, God grabbed me. He gripped me. And I was told that I could never be released from him. It's his truth. It's the gospel. So the men standing before you today, and if you are in Christ Jesus, that's your story too. You receive the effectual call of God. You experience the irresistible grace of God. You couldn't say no. And you didn't. But you have another call. And that call is an internal call and an external call that goes to this office. Someone in this church came to you a little over a year ago and said, I'd like to put your name in as a potential candidate for office of deacon or elder. Internally, you began to pray about that. If you're married, you talk to your wife. 
And then you begin to sense the internal call. Some men don't. They don't believe it's the right time. But you did. And then that internal call was affirmed by an external call as you went through a process of others witnessing your life and affirming that we believe God's calling you to this. Men, that all happened completely by God's grace. No other way. No other way. So as one called by God's grace to this position of leadership in the church of Jesus Christ, I want to give you this charge. What is it that this church needs most from you? What this church needs most from you and its elders and deacons and those who lead Bible studies and children's ministry, we need you to live in the reality of who you are in Jesus. We need you to live in the reality that you right now are in the perfect grip of God the Son and God the Father. We need you to live in the perfect reality of what Jesus says in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And the reason we as sheep need you as shepherds to lead that way is because the reality of the gospel is that you're perfectly in his care. You're perfectly in his grip. You're not partially in his grip. You are his. But this side of heaven, the sheep are tempted to believe that his grip isn't perfect or that his grip isn't good enough or his grip isn't the only secure thing. And when we don't believe that, what happens is we begin to put our security in insecure things. Something my dear friend David Newman and Frank Bullock say to me all the time. We have that temptation to put our security in insecure things. There's only one secure thing. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus Christ and something else makes you secure. It's the grip of Jesus Christ. It's the grip of our Holy Father. That is our security. But when we're tempted to put our security in other things, guess what happens? Those things begin to grip us. And as you shepherd this flock, it is a flock of people that sincerely seek to love the Lord. But in all honesty, like me, they're tempted to place their security in insecure things. Things that will actually grip them. As an elder and as a deacon, because you know this is true of your life, in my life, and the life of this body, you are going to witness regularly people who are gripped by the following things and more. Just listen. So many of us in this body are gripped by fear. We really often live in terror. Terror of what might happen to us physically. Terror of what might happen to us emotionally. More than just a concern, but a deep fear of what's going on in our country and the world around us. We live in the deep fear of what will this place look like 25 years from now, but even 25 days. So many people, people who are in Christ, are gripped by anxiety. Anxiety makes up their days. They worry about their children, they worry about their grandchildren. 
They worry about their marriage. They worry about the church. Anxiety really consumes. And it tempts them to not believe that they're in the perfect grip of the perfect and only God who can learn nothing, who lacks no power. But anxiety is gripping us. You will come to encourage and counsel many who are gripped by lust. Many who are living in secret with that lust. You will know people who are gripped by addiction. Addiction to all sorts of things. Substances, but also with pleasing people. Caring so deeply what other people think about them. Even as they come into a church that their head swivels more left and right than up. And what do they need from you? They need you to be a man gripped by God. Quick to know that you struggle with that same temptation to receive the praise of man, but to know that it's not secure. It's not. You will come across men and women who are gripped by anger, a whole body response to a perceived injustice which at times causes them to rage. Or maybe they never rage, but they just stuff. You will see those who have experienced great injustice and they're gripped by the burden. You will know those who are gripped by deception, lies that they're even telling themselves, almost as if they're living a dichotomy. On Sunday they look one way, but on another time they look a different You will come to know those who are gripped by materialism. Who really believe that the next fill in the blank is what will ultimately make them happy. You will come to know those who are gripped by power and delight in feeling how they might exercise it over others. You will come to know those who are gripped by legalism. Who believe that it really is up to them in their efforts for Jesus to love them. You will come across those often, in fact, daily on prayer request, who are gripped by the reality of a really rough diagnosis. Even in our midst now, those who are on hospice dying, those suffering physically, and those loved ones who suffer alongside them, and then those who are gripped by mourning. And we know in our midst, How easy it is to be gripped by sorrow and depression and confusion. To be gripped by a broken marriage that seems to have no hope. To be gripped by children who don't seem to want to follow the Lord. To be gripped by the guilt of the past. Shame. But also gripped by great fear of the future. And the list could go on and on because it does, doesn't it? And we all understand that. We all relate to that. So my friends, what is it that we need from each other? What is it that we need from these men called to lead our church? We need to see that they are living in the perfect, powerful grip of God the Son and God the Father. And that nothing, all those things that seek to grip us cannot snatch us away. They can't. 
Because Jesus said so. As Julian said, he has obligated himself to us. He cannot fail. And so, my friends, what we need to see in you is that you are safe in the hands of Jesus, abiding in him, trusting in him, repenting when you're tempted towards those things and give in to those things that you say, this might make me more secure. And what does it look like? Well, it's evident when we live that way that we hear the sheep's voice. And when you counsel people in this church, they need to know you're hearing his voice. It's obvious when we're in his grip that he knows us and that we know him. And it's obvious when we live in his grip that we're following his ways. Tim Tinsley, many of you remember Tim, know him well. Many have come to this church in the last few years, many. They never knew Tim. They've only heard stories. And they're great. And they're big. But if you ever received a note from Tim, whatever he said, at the end of it, I guarantee you he signed it this way, in his grip. Now, you know, when Tim is writing that, and it's the farewell, in his grip, Tim, he's speaking about himself. He is saying, I am in the grip of God. Now, think about that. God knows everything. There's nothing he can learn. God's all-powerful. He's everywhere present. Now imagine what it would feel like if you read a letter from Tim that came recently, and you notice it didn't say, in his grip, but instead it said, in my grip. Not Mark, not God, Tim. Tim signs his letters, in my grip. Think about that. How silly. Tim's not omnipresent. He doesn't need to live here anymore. He's not omnipotent. He never was. He's not omniscient, all-knowing. You see, as brothers called to lead the church, you are not offering them your power. You are offering them the power of the one who has you in his grip. You see what Jesus is saying here? He is saying, you are in my grip. Nothing can snatch you away. I'm not sure all that came into this place today in terms of the things that are gripping at you, but I know there are many. And what we need from each other is to be a people in Jesus Christ, abiding in the one who says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when we abide and are held in that grip, the power of the gospel is reflecting from our lives. And it brings a security that reminds you of who you are. Secure in Jesus. On Thursday, I'd done something I hadn't done in years. I took my four youngest children, my oldest couldn't go, so their ages are 16, 14, 7, and 5. I took them to a water park. I worked at a water park called Whitewater in Oklahoma City for about six years. It actually brought back a ton of memories. I learned a couple things. The first thing I learned was that more people my age, older and a little bit younger, more people than not have tattoos. <laughs> and if you have a child 
who's thinking about getting one, have them go to Hawaiian Falls and just look what it's going to look like in 10 to 20 years. Sorry, I'm not being, I don't want to be light, but I observed that. Second thing I observed was there were lifeguards everywhere. And the lifeguards were watching my children as I was watching my children. They were watching adults and others for the purpose of spotting someone who's struggling in the water, spotting someone who's drowning or potentially drowning. I want to remind you that this side of heaven, Satan is active. He wants Christians to fall. His purpose is destruction. It's to devour us. And his leaders and his brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to continually be looking at one another in the water. Drowning victims don't always raise their hands and flail. In fact, studies will show so often it's a very calm, paralyzing fear. They simply bob up and down for a moment until they can't any longer. Trained lifeguards understand that and can spot that. Some of you are doing this, and some of you aren't. But you sense you're going under. What do we do? The first thing as a lifeguard you're taught to do When you see someone drowning, it's to call for help if there are people around. Even if they're not trained lifeguards, let others know somebody's in trouble. Then if they're in reach, where you can toss a ring to them or some other flotation device, you throw it to them, they may cling to it, and you pull them ashore or to the bank or to the side. If that won't work, you reach what's called a shepherd's hook, great name, and you give it to them, extending it, hoping that they will grab on, and then you pull them in. If those things won't work, then what do you do? You go in the water. But if you're able, you go in with something like a flotation device. If you don't have a flotation device and you have a t-shirt or a towel, you take it with you so that you can extend it to them so they will grab onto it and then you can pull them. Here's why. If you go with nothing towards the drowning victim, when you get close what they're going to do in total reaction is climb on top of you. And then likely both of you will go under. They're paralyzed by fear. You look like their savior. Brothers called to lead. You cannot carry the burdens that you were not meant to carry. You are not Jesus. When you see one of the sheep struggling or if you're struggling yourself, cry for help. Let others know. Come alongside and always offer them Jesus. Always offer the sheep the one who has them in his grip. And if they're not yet believers, but you sense they're close, You must give them Jesus. You don't give them yourself. You give them the one who has you. I pray until Christ returns that that will be the message that comes from this pulpit. That the men called to the office of elder and deacon will make sure that's the message. And that you as brothers and sisters in Christ 
will demand by God's grace and for his glory that we offer nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because Jesus was crucified, the Father's hand crushed him. It was the Lord's will because he wanted to rescue us. And in doing so, Jesus died. But then Jesus crushed death. And because he crushed death, we can rest eternally secure and presently secure in the hands of God Almighty, the one who holds the stars and planets in place, and the one who knows every hair on your head. You're in his grip if you know Jesus. Men called to be elders and deacons, this body needs to see you resting in the grip of God Almighty. This is your story. It's the story of redemption. That's what we all need. Jesus Christ, as I pray, your reigning is king. Your kingdom is yours. You're calling your people. You're securing us. You're using us. Oh God Almighty, whatever has gripped your people this day that they've brought with them here, would your powerful hand secure them so tightly that they release those things which cannot make them secure. Make us, Holy Spirit, believe that we are in your grip. For any who even now would profess that they don't know you, but they want to know you. Oh Lord, bring them to pray even now for salvation. Simply confess that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Confess that Jesus is Lord and the only Savior. You will sense his grip coming up on you because you're his. We offer this to you, O oh Lord, grateful for your redeeming work. Fill us with joy as our lips proclaim the story of redemption as we sing about Jesus, our Redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen.